0: You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports
1: Network. It's one of those weekends that remind you that they don't pay us the big bucks to talk about the Giants. They're really (laughs) counting on us to be really passionate about them.
0: I, you know, I, I'm going to polish the hell out of that turd, but, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't even know if
1: it's so much, it's not like that they think that we're going to try to defend the team or anything like that. It's just like, oh, no matter how bad they are, you love them so much. You'll talk about them, won't you, you little pig boy?
0: I mean, it's true. We are disgusting. (laughs) We are disgusting wretches.
1: They got swept by the A's. What
0: the f**k? don't know what other analysis is needed. That was really bad. Like, I honestly don't know which game to feel worse about. Watching it, obviously the Sunday game was much more unpleasant. But I just want to point out, they could, on Saturday, they couldn't score against a team that just is giving up runs by the boatload. We're just so used to it. I think we maybe don't see how bad that is. But I mean, both of those games were really awful. And the A's are just a terrible, terrible team. I, I don't know. That, that was disappointing. It really, because the Giants went 3-1 and one against the Diamondbacks earlier in the week and you go, all right, you know. And then they get swept by the A's like, no, no, no positives to take away from this anymore. No, absolutely nothing. This is terrible. The Giants are terrible. I'm a bad person. Uh, i <laughs> my life. And uh, this is what I deserve. This is my own personal fault. <laughs> they were 5
1: for 16 with runners in scoring position in Sunday's game which was a stark improvement on their 0 for 2 on Saturday. So, you know, again, a big improvement, but there was a stat thrown out in the Sunday broadcast that they were in their prior 32 games so before the 5 for 16 on Sunday, 32 games over a month, <laughs> they were hitting 182 with runners in scoring position. Uh, And we've talked about, and I think now everyone else has read, you know, by that weighted runs created plus stat, which if you're an old head and you don't believe in the advanced statistics, believe is such a weird thing to say, but that's what it does come down to. It's like, that is what front offices, some version of that is what front offices use. Anyway, the Giants have had the fewest runs scored, you know, at least since July. They've been one of the worst offenses, however you want to look at what they're doing for well over a month now, and it's not getting any better. And I think people want to listen and go, is this a good team? Is it a playoff team? L- listen, they got swept by the A's. So all bets are off. You can definitely <laughs> sit there and go, I'm not so sure. They're 15 and 15 in their last 30 games. They remember they had a losing record in July, 12 and 13, and now they are three and two here in August. And the schedule is not going to get any easier. They have a series beginning tonight against the Angels in Anaheim. Don't believe when they tell you it's Los Angeles. It's Anaheim. I've been there. And, um, <laughs> they, and you know, the Angels are not a good team, but they do have one of the only players people who don't follow baseball knows about, Shohei Otani, who will pitch in the series. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But, again, it doesn't get any easier from here. The Sunday game was a reminder, Doug, I feel like that pitching can also slump because that has absolutely been the strength of the team and it really let them down on Sunday. Just to go back to the offense for a minute before we
0: get to the pitching, the Giants, after they they won their first five games after the All-Star break, the fifth game of the, that was an 11-10 win over the Reds. Since then, this is just their run scored per, by game. Two one three one 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 two eight against the A's. Two three four three four four one one then six against the A's. The only time they've scored more than four runs has been against the A's, the worst team in baseball. Um, <laughs> it's it's just been an astonishing run of ineptitude. Which hey, the San Francisco Giants are back, baby. That's right. Uh, <laughs> And then, of course, they finally have a game, their second game, where the offense is not terrible and the pitching shits the bed, which they'll do that sometimes. You know, they're, they've generally been pretty good since, since the break. That's why the Giants have had the record that they've had. It should have been so much worse. You know, they, they're scoring, if they score four runs a game and give up three, and that's kind of the best case scenario, that's not, that's not what you're looking for out of a team. But, yeah, sometimes they're just going to have bad games. You know, Alex Cobb had a bad game. The relievers that followed him were pretty much bad. Uh, Luke Jackson was was awful. That, I mean, he was really kind of the difference maker there, that he just came in and couldn't throw a strike. And because of the those new rules in place, I say new, but as of a couple of years ago, that if you, you can see, Gabe Kapler could see him not throwing a strike. To the first couple batters and still had to leave him in for batter three, which is which was not great. Scott Alexander didn't do particularly well. That's my fault for ranking him highly in the bullpen trust power rankings. That's that was the only thing keeping him going, was spiting me personally. And then <laughs> what happens the second the second I rank him highly? Uh, let that be a lesson to me. Um, and it is just a really disappointing game all around, just because. We're not used to seeing them lose like that. You know, they lose 2-1 to the A's. I mean, yeah, sure. We watched them lose 2-1 a bunch of times. They lose 8-6 to the A's. I mean, what? well, they scored six runs. Should be winning 6-3 at, at worst. And, um, and it, that part of it was pretty tough to watch.
1: I think Cobb's start was probably obviously the biggest issue with the game we did do the bullpen trust power rankings in our last show and that obviously had some something to do with it if i finally get you on scott alexander's side and he lets us down but we had <laughs> ranked luke jackson low for that reason remember we're like not yeah. sure about this guy looks great but still they're nursing him back very slowly you know patrick bailey had a nice game on sunday he, his bats basically disappeared but he had two walks lamont wade jr still playing well Tyra, Tyro Estrada is still coming back from an injury, but we pointed out the month preceding his injury that knocked him out for, for a month. Uh, his, he, his offense had fallen off a cliff anyway, there, Wilmer Flores, he didn't pumpkin, but you know, he had no for four, uh, again, yeah, six, six runs should be enough to beat the A's with the giants pitching. What this is giving me suddenly now, Doug, are 2010 vibes, which I know is a really strange thing to invoke right now when it looks like the Giants are dead in the water and they're going to get swallowed up by one of the four teams just outside of the wild card right now. But remember in 2010 and I bring this up all the time because it's one of the it's one of the times right before the Giants won the World Series for the first time, something I never thought I'd see happen, but it was definitely one in my book of things that just made me go, "Brian Sabian, who is this guy? I don't understand him." But remember when he brought the pitching staff into Bruce Bochy's office and he said, you guys have to pitch better. (laughs) The offense can't do it. You have to pitch better. You cannot give up runs. The Giants pitching staff simply cannot give up any more than three (laughs) runs a game. They can't do it. They have to give the offense a chance to win. Um, But that's that's, in that August. That was in August, I remember that happening where Bochi had, or Sabian had the meeting with Bochi and the pitchers, the starting pitchers, you know, Lincecum and Kane, and he's getting on these guys that were the reason why they were doing so well and saying like, you gotta be even better. the, the This lineup of Jamokes just isn't going to do it. You gotta figure it out. And this is the situation that the 2010 Giants are in, which I find very fitting since Far seems to be doing a speed run of Brian Sabian's Giants career right now.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's also really the position the 2009 Giants were in where, Uh, They couldn't hit. So, you know, there's pros and cons to that. Right. I I do remember that that meeting, by the way. And the thing is, that offense wasn't even really that bad. They were just in a slump. And in August, Tim Lincecum was awful for the first time, probably in his life. Um, Like, honestly, what since he was maybe like nine years old or something. Uh, he stayed up real
1: late, like eating gummy worms and watching Ninja Turtles. And, uh, right. And
0: he, he probably <laughs> did the same thing in August of 2010.
1: <laughs> He's like, it's on Nick Rewind now. I got to watch it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, there is a sense in which it's true. The pitching staff just has to be, have the mentality of, no, three three runs at most. Um, but the bigger issue is obviously the offense. And they, had a, they finally have a good game. But – they've had basically two good games. What? Three good games, I guess, including. Sorry. Oh, wow. They've scored. So before that, and during that winning streak, they did score six, eight and 11 runs. So they've had five good games since the all-star break, which is we're coming up on a month since that.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: and even earlier in the, and earlier in the month before the All Star break in July, they scored five runs twice. And that, that was their best output. Um, it's they, they have been struggling for a long time. And the fact that the Giants have been even mediocre has kind of camouflaged it. But as it is right now, this is obviously not a playoff caliber offense. Uh, and uh, we're going to have to see how Mark Mathias fixes that single-handedly.
1: <laughs> Which we all believe he can and will. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, two moves that kind of... Highlight what's going on right now. Casey Schmidt optioned back to AAA after Saturday's game. It didn't show up on the Giants' transaction record until Sunday. If anyone really wants some specifics, there you go. But it was also announced after Saturday's game where Alex Pavlovich reported that Anthony DiScofani received a PRP injection, plasma-rich platelet injection into his pitching elbow, and won't be able to throw for six to eight weeks. Uh, And as I wrote on McAfee Chronicles on Sunday When it comes to Anthony Di the idea of everything going smoothly and him coming in in the lower end of an estimate don't seem to square with the rest of his career. So for all intents and purposes, his season is over. There, I would assume there's probably like a 5% chance that he could be okay to pitch maybe in the playoffs and that maybe that could happen. And I had a shower thought about all that, Doug, which is that you can imagine the Giants having their pitching regain form, at, you know, considering Sunday's game. We're talking about literally one game. But but also we're asking the Giants pitching staff for the next two months to continue to carry the team, which is going to be tough. They're playing tough teams. It's hard to ask uh, a whole bullpen and basically two great starting pitchers, all those triplings coming back to carry the load. You can still imagine a scenario, I guess, I could, where it's like, oh, the playoffs are here oh, Anthony Discafani is going to be on the playoff roster? That's weird. And then he'll come in and pitch two or three innings. You could see it happening is what I'm saying. I discount it. And because it wasn't officially announced that the season's over, that might come in a month or so. Um, That's why I didn't report it that way. But also uh, that seems the most likely thing. The Casey Schmidt part of this, um, he just wasn't hitting. I mean, after May, he was basically hitting like 120. From June second on, he was he was the inverse of Wilmer Flores, who's been on who's been the second best hitter in baseball after Shohei Ohtani since June second. Uh, Casey Schmidt was basically the worst, and his defense wasn't all that great. Um, he's a twenty four year old prospect. Uh, I mentioned in my article a lot of stat cast numbers in there that make you go, maybe if he just works on some things, gets some more reps, he certainly looks like he can come back and be productive. Um, and like his his numbers looked okay. His pitch selection got better towards the second half. Uh, he went 36 games. He had two walks in his first 36 major league games. And then, then he wound up, uh, eight walks against 22 strikeouts in, in the rest of his games after game 36, that was an improvement, I would say. But, uh, any
0: strong thoughts one way or the other about Casey Schmidt, Anthony DiSclefani? So DiSclefani, I mean, Hey, I called this on the, on the Croncast. I was like, they're going to shut him down for the season for something. Yeah. Uh, I, for a suck. suck, my <laughs> strong medical mind just kind of rears its head again i feel pretty proud of that um as for schmidt yeah he was hitting 120 on base percentage 212 slugging 162 his weighted runs created plus uh was 10 which means he was not playable um, still
1: better than nissan
0: diaz <laughs> he was coming around though he said me as was coming around that's true that's true <laughs> just just give him like 300 at bats and we'll see what happens and he he was walking a little bit more although he I would point out he he walked several times against the Padres and that was most of his walks he walked four times in a series against the Padres uh and one other time since the month of July started. And he cut down on his strikeouts. And he cut down on the strikeouts. He did. But he just... He couldn't hit the ball hard enough. Nope. Um, his... At-bat... The quality of his at-bats was getting better, but it still wasn't good enough. And he has... He's needed consistent playing time for a while, With which uh, with Tyro Estrada and Brian Crawford back off the IL wasn't going to happen. And he's, he's basically not ready for the majors. You know, that doesn't... That's not like a death knell for his career or anything. But it, it does it was very clear watching him at basically any point recently that it just wasn't going to happen. So, well, this is the, and this is the
1: pleasure and the pain of the season was that the giants feel like, or felt like they were in a position to use their, their own depth to supplement their major league roster. And that's why they are reaching down, dipping down. And you and I, we were praising this, like, look what they can do. They can go and get perhaps league average players and, and plug them in from their minor league system. And they're not having to go out and trade for Donovan Walton every right. time something happens, but they, it hasn't really worked out for them uh, over the long run. They were able to get little quick infusions, not even PRP like infusions. Cause this wasn't stuff that sustained for six to eight weeks. Even it was just, they were able to get in. They got like a hot little start from Casey Schmidt, which was nice. Um, I think Louis Matos looks Okay. But you know what I mean? Like, not quite what you think. Patrick Bailey is kind of really it. He's he's a stud. He, there's a non-zero... There's a possibility. People like me are going to say he should be in the consideration for being a National League Gold Glove at catcher. You know, a small sample, all that stuff. He's got competition with Gabby Moreno in Arizona, that kind of thing. But... Casey Schmidt, yeah, I don't know where his career is going to go with that. That's not worth making any judgment call like that. I think if you remember, the Giants are making are being very aggressive with their minor leaguers and calling him up was was sort of like phase one of that. Um, and we'll see what happens. It was a good experiment. You'd like to think that they're not going to all wind up like David VR. Oh, I hate saying that. It sounds <laughs> so mean. But we don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, I don't it's just one of those things where this is what they had to do because they weren't in a position where they had an excess of these guys. They could trade away to get someone that was more of a sure thing. And so it just hasn't quite worked out the way they had hopes, but they, it worked out a little bit. Let's say like, like 33% it worked out.
0: <laughs> and Hey, that's, that's better than 0%.
1: That's right. And we have to, we have to look at where the whole, where the team is at. They're very firmly in the wild card mix. I mean, they're, tied for the best record of the wild card teams. Yes, they're one of three that have it. And there are four right on that whole group's tail. The schedule doesn't get any easier. All that stuff. The pitching is held up. We might see Kyle Harrison very soon here, which would, you know, balance the loss of Anthony Discofani. Um, Say what you want about Anthony discalfani but he was the most consistent guy. Well, he was performing very well when the Giants needed somebody to step up between – it was basically like Cobb and DiScofani. Webb was or Webb was doing all right, but remember – does anyone remember April? I know. It was a bad mm-hmm. month. It's worth forgetting. But DiScofani came out of the gates pitching very well, even halfway through May until he dropped the piano bench and still. The first two months of the season, he was easily, you know, one of the best starters on the team out of the top three that they have. Um, and I speculated, like, does did Ross Stripling – sucking or Maniah sucking have anything to do with what has led to this, which is that the giants might've overused him from the beginning because they needed to, they needed to throw six innings or go seven or whatever, because he's uh, you know, otherwise they have to turn to the bullpen, which is being chewed up because $25 million that the team has committed is just blowing up in their face every time they, they turn to it. And I guess it's just not worth doing that. He stepped up when they needed him to, and he looked good. Anthony DiScafani's career injury is a part of his game. Um, and so it's like only a matter of time, but he missed most of last season. So then him coming in this season, hitting the ground running and throwing so many innings. That's why I just wonder if that had anything to do with what we're seeing now. Um, I, do we forget that like he pitched He pitched eight innings, shut out baseball in Houston he did a really nice job for them early on. And I hope it doesn't get forgotten because basically in his three-year deal, he's going to wind up pitching the equivalent of like one season.
0: It's kind of sad to see him, his body sort of fail like this, but that's also how the giants got him is Mm -hmm. that his body failed like that in 2020, I think. And so they were able to get him at a pretty deep discount for 2021. He had a great year and it hasn't worked out. So, uh, you know, it, we hope that he comes back strong next year, but it very much is, this wasn't an outlandish possibility. I'll, I'll say it like no, that. No, that's a great um, point.
1: No, you're totally yeah. right. All right. Giants have a new patch on their jerseys, and it's for a company very few people outside of, I would say, San Francisco city limits have has ever heard of. It's called Cruise. And it's an autonomous vehicle company that's determined, Doug, to automate the process of driving vehicles to get rid of human labor in jobs where human drivers are required. This uh, huge buildup of autonomous driving technology and investor money so that 20 years from now, that labor cost is eliminated doesn't quite seem like it's worth all the hassle and the death and destruction that autonomous driving has caused worldwide. Then again, I think I understand human beings really being spiteful towards other human beings and really just wanting to control and destroy people's lives. That makes a lot of sense to me at the same time. All that said, the Giants going with the guy who gave them the highest bid to slap a patch on their jersey, now that Major League Baseball has allowed that, um, makes perfect sense. The Giants would basically just go with the highest bidder with Bay Area ties, ignoring all the red flags about this company that might not even be around three years from now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, say what you will about baseball, but it is on brand. Uh, <laughs> you grab the money. You can't like, Hey, just think of the the FTX patches that were on umpires uniforms last year. What if baseball had said, no, and they'd be like, no, we we don't want those FTX patches from a crypto exchange that imploded spectacularly and whose founder is now awaiting criminal trial what we want to do is not take your money then they'd have (laughs) less money that's right how does that make sense they're running a business here uh so the giants are also running a business they want more money and not less money so they can put these uh these big stupid patches for a company nobody cares about or likes on their uniforms and sell them Now we all made fun of the
1: Padres when they were like one of the first to announce Motorola, a company I'm pretty sure most of us didn't realize still existed and uh, has their Jersey sponsor. And uh, I don't remember who the Yankees have, (laughs) but anyway, the point is is that the teams are allowed to do this and you know, they're selling an ad space on their players bodies on the jerseys. And the chatter I saw was basically a mix. A lot of fans think who cares? Shut up. I only want to hear my complaints about the Giants. And then there are, you know, I think a lot of fans, uh, they just they really just don't like hearing other people complain. Only their complaints matter. They think they should only be complaining about the lineup. I feel like we can complain about multiple things at at the same time. That's our right as both fans and people. Uh, I think there are a lot of fans who don't care what's sponsored on the jersey, not because they're against it, but because it's like it was always going to go to the person who offered the most money. Uh, And obviously there are people who care that there are patches on the Jersey at all. That's an advertising space. I was one of those people, but it's like baseball is just going to, you know, if they're just, they're going to wrap the bases in Coke uh, sponsorship at some point, it's just going to be everywhere. That's the Rob Manfred era. It's tacky. It's dumb. It's whatever Uh, the cruise patches though. Let's focus on that for a second. I pulled up the list of autonomous vehicle accidents Uh, From 2014 to 2019, which there was a big report on it uh, from Zimlin.com. And so obviously now four years old. So the technology has certainly improved, I'm sure. Um, But uh, from 2014 to 2019, I didn't get the total volume of crashes for all the companies. But for Cruise, there were 112, which over a five-year span seems like a lot to me. But what do I know? I don't program (laughs) these things. And we know that since 2019, urbanists in San Francisco have done things like put giant traffic cones on the hoods of the cars to get them to shut down, to put them into a safety mode. I know that they double park when they get confused, when their sensors get confused. Um, They can run red lights. They can injure animals. There's just nuances to driving, which whatever your opinion about driving, you like it, you don't like it. I think you'd agree that, Uh, Using the actual roads and real life people with no stake or share in the actual company testing, using that as a proving ground as a test bed for your technology has a lot of weird ethical concerns that should just pop right off the right off the page. The moment you read that as like, wait a minute, we're just testing fully driving that can go the full miles per hour a normal car can uh, on the roads. Okay, why? Oh, but people are also paying to use them as taxis. Anyway, that's what the Giants have decided to put on their jerseys. The patches look dumb. It looks like they're sponsored by the cops, by SFPD. It looks like a giant police car on their jersey, which I know for some people, that's great. Uh, for other people, I don't I don't know. Do, do you want your baseball team associated with the police? I don't know. I'd be interested to meet that level of Giants fan. But it's the point is, is that this is what's happening. This is the new era. I think the giant's first time out of the gate is pretty craven and stupid. It's not a good looking patch. And the commercial that went to uh, that accompanied the announcement was one of the most cringe things I've ever seen in my entire life.
0: Brian, Uh, the the commercial was astonishing. (laughs) I, I love how much I hate that commercial. Um, it, It was nothing but just meaningless tech speak for a solid minute. Except it wasn't it was it wasn't even really tech speak. It was like marketing speak. It was the kind of things that marketing people put in commercials because they think other people want to hear that and nobody ever does. It was – here, let, let me just try to read this off. Gabe, so it's Gabe Kapler saying, he says, San Francisco, a city of fog and shimmering gold that greets every dawn with optimism and purpose. Brian, what the f- – does that mean
1: (laughs) it means it doesn't matter how many dogs we run over these cars (laughs) will drive to a new day
0: (laughs) Uh, it's just this incredible i i i don't know how to how to possibly expect express how meaningless everything gabe kapler says in that commercial is he goes on to say our city proudly defies convention they put a pride flag in there so you know what he means you know what he means brian Continuously evolving. Hold on. I've been
1: pinning that. Hold on, Doug. It's unconventional to support LGBTQIA rights. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the position that the commercial in San Francisco has decided
0: to take. Interesting. It I'll is. I yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> Driven by a dynamic spirit that connects and inspires us. And on connects and inspires us, they have a picture of, uh, of Alyssa Nakin because you can't hate Alyssa Nakin. You have to you have to like her, which is true. Sure, I do. But. And then, and then Kapler goes, goes on and say, and with every sunset, we look ahead to the promise and potential of tomorrow where anything is possible. And then Camilo Duvall gets out of a cab or I guess a driverless cruise car wearing his giants uniform and yells, go giants in Spanish.
1: At the time when I wrote this up, I failed. I didn't do a breakdown of the commercial because it was so blindingly stupid. I was only angry enough to write the posts because I had written, I had speculated back in November, like, okay, these patches are coming. The giants have hired a firm. They hired a firm to help them look for what, what would be the patch. This is a long time coming. It took them almost a year to figure out. It should just be, Oh, the guys with uh, who's, whose angel investors are still involved in our will and didn't get affected by these recent bank crashes or the interest rates and have the money. But, but I didn't break down the, that commercial. You would think that a commercial that is about autonomous vehicles, Camilo Duval is getting out of the cruise car and going to the stadium wearing his full Giants uniform. I think that's stupid. Him wearing the full Giants uniform to show off the patch and say, go Giants. But shouldn't the commercial have been him either shouldn't it have been the car pulling up and him getting out or him getting into the car and it driving off? That's the whole premise of your product, right?
0: That it drives itself. We don't get to see it drive itself in the commercial. That seems no, weird. No, we, we do not. And I think Kapler should have gotten in it, too. Kapler right. should have gotten in it to go to the marina to go find some women to pick up. He should have, when he said the unconventional
1: or what, what, what was it? Uh, he should have taken the, the cone off of the car
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then gotten in it. <laughs> and, and then Kepler towards the end says, it's more than, the, than thread and stitching. No, it isn't. Completely untrue. It's a symbol of our city. Absolutely not. It is not a symbol of San Francisco. An emblem of conviction means nothing. Hold
1: on. It is an emblem of conviction. We will kill as many people as we need to to get rid of
0: taxi drivers and and truck drivers. (laughs) Yeah, but they'll never be convicted for it. That's right. (laughs) And and then at the end, Kapler says, the giants and crews together driving our city towards a brighter future. Uh, And by the way, he said that in front of what is very clearly a green screen. He is, he is supposed to be in the dugout. He is not in the dugout. It's, it's very much like a special effect in a Marvel movie that you look at that for a 10th of a second and go, well, that's as fake as it gets. See, I'm not
1: so sure of that because we saw a picture of them shooting that. There's like some extra press around that. He looks like an AI figure in the whole commercial
0: though. That's true. He does. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing some kind of Uncanny Valley thing going on. Yes.
1: There. Gabe Kepler is somehow a person who exists fully in the Uncanny Valley. And I say that as though I should be surprised. Of course, Gabe Kepler lives in an Uncanny Valley. The dude peels the fried part of his chicken McNuggets off to eat <laughs> the goo inside. The, the man, he he puts sugar in his mouth and then spits it out like into a sugar spittoon. He is not a person, as we understand. that. <laughs> Uh, and then at the end of the day, again, it just looks like they're sponsored by the cops. So,
0: <laughs> in, in conclusion, we have mixed feelings about this jersey patch. I,
1: I hope that the Giants <laughs> are getting like fifty million dollars a year from it. That would be, that that would be worth it then. Yeah, that would one hundred percent. I would
0: basically wear any clothes for fifty million dollars a year. I'm not going to lie. So, I would too. Giants.
1: My closing thought is. In this particular case, this is very much the Giants uh, licensing their public goodwill uh, to a company that has a PR problem. The Giants are doing Cruz a huge favor. It's not the other way around. Uh, This is not one of those, they're equivalent. This isn't like Nike or Visa or, you know, even like ones that people like, but maybe going through, like it's not Motorola, you know what I mean? Like it's definitely Cruz has these incidents and they're going to keep popping up and they're obviously targeting people's livelihoods thinking, you know, trying to turn it around to like, but we're going to make things better by getting rid of certain labor. The giants are, Oh, but the giants, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to associate themselves with something people like. Uh, So in this case, it's okay. If you're, you're sick of Doug and I complaining about all this, but don't forget the giants are actually in a power position for once. And this is what they chose to do is sponsor a death trap. (laughs) If that's libelous, I would retract the statement. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there. You got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the Dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! Doug, what's something you found interesting about the Giants, the team itself, recently?
0: Apparently, Ross Stripling might be good now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it quietly. Sorry, Ross Stripling might be good now. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want him to hear me because I'm a little worried <laughs> about saying that. Um, but he's his last couple starts have been good. Uh, you know, it was kind of a disaster earlier in the year um but his last start against the a's uh was on saturday five and a third gave up one run against boston it wasn't a start but it was a bulk inning appearance uh went four and a third only gave up one run uh even his starts even before that against detroit um he took a loss but six innings and three runs isn't terrible against cincinnati six innings three runs isn't terrible um he, he might be a decent pitcher now. That'd be nice. Uh, the Giants really need one. And he, he <laughs> you Sorry. know, right. just that hit me in the weirdest way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> would be nice. Yes. It would be nice. Um, <laughs> and to see him possibly coming around is, is going to be uh, a pretty big deal for the team.
1: I found it a little interesting that Blake Sable's defense as catcher seems to have improved a very tiny bit. And I'm trying to pull up his stat cast. That's what I'm kind of hemming and hawing at. His framing is up to 60th percentile. His pop time is still not all that great. But the I think there was a Susan Slusser article written up at some point uh, pretty recently that the team seems pretty comfortable there behind him. I am not a fan of him As a catcher, it seems like that's where the biggest blowups are, but it also does seem like based on eye test level stuff that at least in the last two weeks, he's looked a lot better behind the plate. I don't know how much you can, I have no idea about catcher development. That might be an interesting question to ask Roger or someone who deals with minor leaguers more often. How do you develop a catcher? It seems like a position that you could teach and make someone better at over time uh, compared to certain other positions. Um, and so I think it's interesting because they've got Joey Bart sitting in AAA. They obviously didn't move him. They didn't seem compelled to move him, which is weird because he's going to be unoptionable next year. So if he does change teams, he's going to just be a waiver dude suddenly, which will be a bummer for the number two overall pick. But anyway, he's a great defender. Is he going to be a part of the team in September? We might see him. Maybe they are just limiting Sable very much. So he's looking better because he's facing teams he could probably handle a little bit better. I don't know. I just found it interesting. He was getting slightly better.
0: Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, and, you know, in that vein, you know, there's someone who's a little more established, but Lamont Wade Jr. had a much better week, I think, than he's had in a while. He, uh, I don't think he ever really stopped drawing walks, um, but he hit a couple homers um, and he, he was sort of solid at the plate in a way that, you know, for several weeks there, he was looking very shaky. So to see him come back, to see him do well, it's, it's a pretty big deal. He's uh he's an important part of this team and it's, it's good to see him up there looking like he looked in May. Um, that's important.
1: I'm going to piggyback on that just to say Tyro Estrada doesn't he's not hitting the snot out of the ball but he looks like he's had enough rehab time he looks like he's his timings back he could be like lamont wade was just what two weeks we said on one of the podcasts i'm like it looks his base is back it looks like he's he's ready to hit again Um, and now you're telling us you know you're pointing out the actual results are now coming and maybe we're a week away week or two away from tyro estrada really breaking out or being right back to being a consistent contributor um, just along those lines. The one other thing I found interesting: Elliot Ramos has a 900 OPS in AAA, and I always forget this. He's he's 23, you know, and it's like, uh, it's this is going to be tied to my concerning that I'm going to have. But he's he's playing well, and I think that's interesting. And it wouldn't it be something? I doubt this is what's going to happen. But you can only expand your roster to 28 now, which is a completely stupid rule. I don't know why they changed it to that. 30 seems like a decent compromise, whatever. So they can only add two players. There's something weirdly poetic or something story-driven about if it's Bart and Ramos who get those call-ups. Hmm. Uh, and they're, they've certainly put themselves in that position to
0: do just that. Brian, what's something you found concerning about the Giants recently?
1: Well, Doug, when I went back and I looked at Tyro Estrada, who's been activated and looked at, was it his loss from the lineup that caused this plunge we've seen? Which, by the way, we need to remind people that when Doug says, hey, Giants, when it's time to hit, you've got to hit, they're supposed to fucking hit and they're not doing it right now. And you've said it I, multiple times.
0: I, I will point out, I tweeted at them before the game yesterday and they did hit. So I might just need to say it directly to them. Maybe they're not listening to the podcast, which would be unthinkable to me. I thought the entire team just put it on the clubhouse right before the game as inspiration. But I don't know. I guess I'm not a manager.
1: We determined Zach Littell was the only one who listened to the podcast last year. That's right. And he's gone
0: now.
1: He still could be listening with the race. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think you, what you need to do, Doug, is you need to get in a cruise. You need to go down to the stadium. <laughs> and you need to just get in their faces and say, listen, buckos, when it's time to hit, you got to hit. It's not Tyro Estrada's departure that caused the offense to plummet. I have far more horrifying and concerning news to report on that front. It was from when Mitch Haniger went down that the offense oh. <laughs> fell in the in the dumpster. It was basically mid-June is when this all turned sour and you know Tyro Strata was on his way down they basically overlapped they had like a little 6 game interlude where they were both on the roster and then remember uh, Strata had been on the IL at the end of May and then he came back and then then he and Haniger were on the roster and the offense picked up and then Haniger got hurt and he was off so that was the point that's concerning to me that's why i brought up Elliot Ramos though because if you're looking for a right-handed doubles home run guy I don't know if it's going to be Elliot Ramos, but that's he could slot in in the Mitch Haniger Memorial role that the Giants seem to be missing from their lineup right now, which is really concerning to me, to be honest. But
0: <laughs> Doug, yeah, what about I mean, you? They, I, think yeah, I, I think they could really use another bat. It would, it'd be great if that bat was Elliot Ramos. I'm a little worried about the Giants' internal evaluation of him saying it isn't because. I think, you know, that opening is there right now. Sorry, AJ Pollock. I know you're still technically on the team, but that opening is there. So for me, what I found concerning was uh, Alex Cobb. And I know I just talked about how Ross Stripling might be good now because he's had a couple good starts, a few good, a few decent starts in a row, and two of them were uh, starts where he gave up three runs. And I, now I'm going to talk about a start that Alex Cobb had where he gave up three runs in six innings, and I didn't like it. <laughs> Alex Cobb's previous start before the one against the A's, which was against the Diamondbacks, um, he gave up three runs in six innings. He gave up three homers, and he also gave up basically no hits on ground balls. His BABIP was 077 in that start. So any kind of regular luck with ground balls, he probably gives up five runs. The start before that was against the A's, which was a good start. Struck out nine in six innings, no runs. Start before that was against the Reds, where he went four and a third and gave up five runs. And then yesterday against the A's, he went five and a third and gave up six and gave up five runs. And that's a little bit concerning. I think Alex Cobb is, if he's supposed to be one of the two like aces of the team, he three of the last four starts were bad. One of the, and two of those starts, two of the starts that he's made, the good one and one of the bad ones were against the worst team in baseball. Um, if he's going to be a true number two pitcher, he should be shutting that team down. Uh, like put a set aside the Diamondbacks and the Reds. where both, both have good offenses with like strong young players. He should also be doing a little better against them, but you know, it happens, but it, it's, I'm seeing some signs of, of concern there with Cobb. He's getting up there a little bit in innings, not, in total terms, but last year he pitched 150. This year he's up to 117 um, in early August. So that's obviously less, but I do wonder if I do wonder how much he has in his arm. He's he's never pitched more than 179 innings in a season, and it's I think it's fair to wonder how durable he's going to be over the course of the season if the dog days are hitting him a little bit. Uh, more than we'd like, you know. If the team is going to rely on its pitching, then part of that story has to be Alex Cobb. So it's it's hard to see him struggle.
1: An interesting note on that: in his career for the second half, so post All Star game, actually has a lower ERA, or at least he did um, before yesterday's game, a lower career ERA by over a full run. Uh, four twenty four in the first half. And in the second half, 312. But probably exactly for why you said he's like, he doesn't pitch as much. He gets hurt, you know, he gets tired, whatever. 527 and two thirds career innings heading into Sunday's game. You know, he adds another uh, six and a five and a third innings uh, there. So it's, you know, 533 innings basically. Not very concerning, yes. And I'm piggybacking on that note to say, like, I don't know that there are some people that think, oh, Kyle Harrison's going to come up. I'm not convinced that Kyle Harrison is going to be any sort of savior. They're going to basically be adding another two to three inning, uh bulk guy. They, they're going to use him as a traditional starter. They said, but he's basically going to start the game and pitch two or three innings because that's all I can. He's walking too many guys still. I, I don't think they're going to let him pitch, you know, throw 85 pitches in his first start. I just don't see it happening. So now you just got a bunch of guys, you know, if they start limiting Cobb to five innings, maybe that is a helpful thing. You know what I mean? Like don't even get it to a point where it starts to unravel, but then you're just asking your bullpen to do more. And I have very big concerns over the final two months of the season, if that's the way it's got to be. Now's the time when your, your guys are supposed to eat some innings for you and you're, yeah, you're pointing out one of those guys is
0: about to go or is, you know, falling off a little shaky. We'll say a little shakier than we want. Um, and on that Harrison point, yeah, I mean, it's, we've all heard the name all year, but other than a stretch kind of in the middle of the year before he got hurt, um, Harrison has not been good enough at limiting walks that you can have any confidence in him as a major leaguer. Um, like he has great pure stuff, but you need more than great pure stuff to pitch in the majors. So it it's tough.
1: All right, let's do a very quick angels preview oh my god they're gonna play show Otani. how cool is that he's he's so cool he's so good he's do, you so think, do, you cool. he,
0: do you think if we like dropped the podcast near him he might listen to it by accident <laughs> like just a
1: full-on iphone pro 14 max uh with with it on the screen yeah and exactly he it. It, it's not locked it's just on it's just on <laughs> And the, uh, the episode title is Shohei, play this. <laughs> <laughs> he is so incredibly good on both sides of the ball. I think I remember reading like in, in his seasons where his offense has been great, his pitching hasn't been as great and then vice versa. And I still think he's a, basically a right now a four win hitter and a three win pitcher, I think is where we're at with him. It's pretty absurd. He no, he's got 8.6 B WAR, so it's it's better than that. But he's hitting the lights lights out of the ball right now. A uh, 188 OPS plus, 40 home runs already. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, we we haven't done a real series preview since the Diamondbacks won. and I had Torrey Lavallo getting ejected. That didn't happen, but I think he came close. But <laughs> I'm gonna make a, a an offensive prediction. Otani's going to hit three home runs in this series. I'm predicting three. I don't know if that's one in each game, if that's three in one game or two in one and then one, but he's going to th- hit three home runs in this series. That's my prediction. But I mean, Oh my God. He's going to look at the giants. Do you think he's going <laughs> to stare at Gabe Kepler and go,
0: is that guy real? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to, he's going to turn to Giolito and be like, is that guy have like an uncanny Valley thing going on right now or something? <laughs>
1: That's the to me the biggest problem with them trying to recruit uh, Otani in the offseason. Now it could be that Farhan's ID's risk model calculates that a guy with his innings and what he does is not worth anything. And as we saw with Carlos Rodon being uh, announced to have left the game yesterday with an injury, Carlos Correa's season, Aaron Judge's season, you know, except for Kevin Gossman, uh, Farhan has not missed. Right. So I guess something to keep in mind. But um yeah, Otani has a four oh seven FIP this year. Uh that's that's interesting. But it's gonna be so cool to watch him play the Giants. I mean, people I I love and care about who don't like anything I do involving baseball, not because of how I do it, but because they don't like baseball. I'm sure if they liked baseball and heard what I was doing, they wouldn't like it either. But right. <laughs> they've heard of Shoei Otani. That's how well known he is now.
0: Yeah, and he's not to say it's a complete one-man show at the Angels, but with Mike <laughs> Trout hurt, it's not far off. Um, I mean, if you just kind of look at their roster, uh, most ha- like half of their normal starters on offense are on the IL right now, which is great. They've gotten a few other good performances. Um, uh, Mickey Moniak has, has had a good year. Brandon Drury's done a nice job. Uh, On the pitching side, Otani's by far their best pitcher. Patrick Sandoval's been fine. Matt Moore is having a great season out of the bullpen. That Mm. can't last. That's (laughs) not allowed. Uh, You know what? I'm going to say the Giants, I'm going to say Austin Slater, it's a two-run homer off Matt Moore in this series. That's my prediction.
1: (laughs) Uh, That'd be awesome. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. I'd be a fan of that. (laughs) But I mean, really, yeah. The Angels are just not that good, other than Otani, who is phenomenal. So they're kind <laughs> of like the 2004 Giants, if Barry Bonds and Jason Schmidt were the same guy.
1: Luis, yeah, Luis Gifos having a nice season. He's on a, like a bit of a hot streak. Eduardo Escobar has wound up on this team. What was not aware? This is how much I pay attention to AL teams. But uh, something to keep in mind: he was a tormentor with the with the Mets. Hold on. Against the Giants for his career. As soon as I said Eduardo Escobar's name, I'm like, wait a minute. He hurts the Giants. He has a career 895 OPS against them in 60 games. That includes eight home runs. So that's a that's a dude to keep an eye on. Um, I think is Rendon back on the um, injured list. According to baseball
0: reference, he is, yeah. Oh. Yes, he is He is on the uh, injured list. I saw a note on Twitter that he was in the clubhouse, and the media went over to talk to him. And he was like, oh, because I'm on the aisle. I don't actually have to talk to you guys. Oh, my
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just the terrible, terrible dude who got the bag. Uh, so, uh, and another note about Eduardo Escobar, his 60 games and 895 OPS, that's his best against the most games he's played against an opponent. Uh, what is that? Baseball reference has... TOPS plus, and it's a 141. So he does 41 uh, percent better than his average against the Giants, and that's in 60 games. So uh, that he and Otani could be enough, as though Otani wouldn't be enough. But yeah, some some things to look forward to. Austin Slater homers, and off of Matt Moore. That's a very specific prediction. And Shohei Otani, it's three home runs. I hope you're right, Doug, because yours being <laughs> you being right negates my being right.
0: So no, we could right. both we could both be right. <laughs> Uh, Are you going to write
1: about uh, any Giants-related news this week, Doug?
0: I am. I'm going to write on Tuesday and Thursday at GiantsDoug.Substack.com. Brian, what about you? Are you going to write about the Giants?
1: I'm going to make sure to remember to use that Eduardo Escobar note in my series preview (laughs) that I'll be writing on mckevychronicles.com, as well as many other articles throughout the week, and we'll see what happens uh, in terms of other Giants news. If Kyle Harrison gets called up, that might be interesting. I think he's pretty close. Um, We'll find out. Uh, don't forget, we're on Fans First Sports Network. Fansfirstsports.com is the website if you want to find out about other team podcasts in our network. And we're on Twitter at GiantsCroncast. And uh, yeah, until next week, go Giants.